two handouts and um, one of them the smaller one is about our ministry in um, prison and um, let me read the bottom a little disorderly at first but soon quieted down Chris had to throw throw a couple out or threaten to there seemed to be always be a few men that want to visit with friends they may not get to see otherwise so disturbances do occur and men are asked to refrain or take it outside the room and whenever that's happened they've left cordially they've not left violently it's a true saying it is a true saying that to whom you keep company this you will be known but i am thankful for the men i keep company with who encouraged me in my walk and that's brother wilson has written that and i think we all appreciate each other that go in there and as some of you already know brother girth is down today he thinks he has covid but he thought he's had long COVID for a long time anyway, but he's sick and the COVID is going around. The uh, Pioneer's home has been closed to visitors, which means that there'll be no services in there today. And then Brother Wilson comments, we can do nothing in and of ourselves and neither can these prisoners who are kept in the power of darkness. Each time we walk the hall through the iron gates and look into those cells, there is much evil lurking. It's a fearful, really, to know that I was once was lost, and the Word of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, opened my eyes. Let our prayer be that one day these men may see also. And... Uh, it is evil. We got a, a man coming to service that killed two people. And um, he looks just like us. And actually, it's by the grace of God we are what we are. But Brother Wilson, is there any one person or a couple of persons on this, in this blue section that you want to talk about? Okay. You know, I did talk with uh, the very first, the first man on there, Kiowa Gray, and. Um, Is he the young guy that was in the corner? Yeah. His first time there. Well, it's his first time at the service, but it's not his first time at FCC. Okay. You know, he found his way back in there again. Um, you know, uh, I think most of these men have some sense of religion, and, and maybe that's. Uh, why they're there, you know, but we know that, you know, what's, what's what I'm coming to understand is that, you know, uh, prayer um, is not necessarily always for the man that's there, but, you know, the Holy Spirit of God is, is working before we ever show up, and uh, it's so important for us to, to, to believe that, and, uh, you know, the Spirit of God in the beginning that is moving upon the face of the deep. And uh, we don't know what God is doing. Uh, we don't go in there because of us. We go in there 
not because of those men, but we're going there because of Christ. You know, he's already doing the work. Uh, let us be uh, prayerful for these men. Uh, Kyla, he was, uh, he, he's there because he's been in church before, uh, but he, got, he, he doesn't know his way. And uh, this is all these men. Uh, you know, we don't know who is saved. Um, but that's not for us to know. It's for us to just uh, to preach Christ and Him crucified and that He is seeking the lost. And, uh, you know, all of us at one time were lost. And uh, praise God that uh, He opened our eyes. And, but it was only by the Word of God and the Spirit of God who was leading us. So um, that's uh, my prayer. You know that all of us would be together in this journey. That we don't know who's uh, who's going to be saved. Okay. Um, yeah, Robert Bain down there, halfway down in Lower. He 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 did the same to uh, be engaged and a humbleness about himself and. Uh, Daniel Surkoff. One of the things you can see uh, in these prayer requests, I don't know if any one of us, maybe uh, Brother Girth does. I know myself, when I get that list, I, I haven't been taking time to pray for these people, uh, and I should. But uh, like the second one, request prayer for bail reduction. <clears throat> when we see these requests like that, then it gives us a little gauge about where they're at spiritually. And when they're just worried about their sentence, their bail, their time in prison, and that dominates their mind, then you know that something hasn't clicked yet. You get down to Robert Bain, God's will in my life, family and friends, and uh, Daniel Surkoff, I've mentioned him before, but uh, he that God's will will be done, and uh, he's he's going to be in prison for life, and uh, and uh, he has softened a bit, which is good. Okay, let's get on with our lesson here. We're talking about the beatitudes. We want the third beatitude today, and. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When he spoke these words in the time period that he spoke them, Israel was occupied by the Roman army. The Jews had long looked for their Messiah to come and lead them to victory. And they despised every day that the Gentile Romans controlled their property and country. And so they were, they were militant. They wanted to overthrow. And maybe you've heard some history about Masada and how the great Stan was taken there to try to kick out and stand against Rome. And so when you hear this words here, 
blessed are the meek, not blessed are the well-organized, not blessed are the powerful, not blessed are the strong, but blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so the promise is not just uh, for the piece of ground that God had designated for Israel, but they shall inherit the earth. And that seems pretty, pretty uh, contradictory because they were looking for a Messiah who was going to come and lead them to victory and kick out this opposing army. And when you look at this in the original, and blessed are the meek, and, and that's what we call in the emphatic position, which simply means this, blessed are the meek, and only the meek. Is the, uh, puts it, not, it puts it specifically, the meek, and it's only the meek that shall inherit the earth. And so I think it's important this morning that you and I understand uh, what meekness means, what it means to inherit the earth, and why it's necessary for you and I to be meek children of God. And so the first thing we're going to look at is what is meekness? And I think the best way to start out there is to say what meekness is not. Usually when we think about meekness, we think about somebody that's a meek and mild guy. He goes around with his head down. He gets run over. But meekness does not equal weakness. If I'm a meek person, it doesn't mean I'm a, a weak person. In fact, the Bible tells us that the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. That's a pretty big statement. But when you look at Moses' life, he wasn't a coward. He wasn't backward. He wasn't a weak man. He stood before Pharaoh, who was the most powerful leader in the world at that time. Egypt was dominant in the known world. And he said, let my people go. When he comes down off the mountain after receiving the Ten Commandments and seeing the people sinning, he broke the commandments and called for the sword. And, and he wasn't weak in leadership. Meekness does not mean that we're easygoing. And I use the illustration of a cat, but, you know, it's not biological that, you know, we have a certain dog is aggressive and one's not aggressive and, and one's, what you say, is meek and one's very violent. And so it's not biological, it's uh, spiritual. And meekness is not compromise. Some people will do about anything to avoid a disagreement. People want us to put aside our differences and concentrate on what we can agree upon. And that may be true in construction or 
or economic philosophy, but it's not true biblically and spiritually. We can't compromise on the truth. We can't smooth over things. And you'll remember the spirit of Elijah when he went up on Mount Carmel. He said, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And what was sad about that day is they didn't do anything, did they? They just stood there. Before it was over, uh, they could see that God was more powerful than Baal. And remember Joshua, when it comes to the end of Joshua and the, and the promised land had been divided up among the tribes and Joshua is saying his final words before he departs this world. And he calls upon the people and he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And so meekness is not weakness. It's knowing how to get angry at the right time and for the right reasons. But often people who get angry become angry over every little nuisance and every little inconvenience. And that, that's not meekness. There's no meekness there. And so I think we learn sometimes a little bit about the, what meekness really is when we see it connected, connected with other verses. I'm afraid this morning this is going to just be kind of uh, teachy and, and not applicable, but uh, when I grew up, you, you credited people for your success. You credited people for what made you what you were. And you can see you see that especially in in sports today. You know, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers was one of the people that I observed. But he told his his uh, team, especially those who carried the football in in offense and scored touchdowns. He he told them. Act like you've been in there before. And when people score today, it's, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, look what I did, look what I did. When it's by the grace of God, we are what we are. And I think that when we begin to explore some of these things here, what, what I'm saying is, if our world lacks anything, it lacks meek men. And uh, when we know that meekness is not weakness, meekness is not being mild, but meekness is an attitude, it's, 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 a, it's a strongness, 
but it's also packed with humility. And um, that's a strange person to the world. But you know what it is? It is godliness and Christ-likeness. And the world needs to see that. And I think that often even in churches and Christianity, there's not a lot of meekness. And uh, the Lord is encouraging it here. And one of the, one of the uh, words that's connected when they use the word meek is, is, is lowliness. Doesn't mean low down. It doesn't mean that I feel bad about myself. And I've listed a couple of uh, places here. Uh, Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Ephesians, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering forbearing one another in love. And so it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, lowliness here is not feeling bad about yourself or, or saying, oh, I'm a terrible person. But lowliness is the understanding, I would say lowliness is to understand uh, by God's, by God's grace, I am what I am. The lowliness realizes that if there's anything good about us, it's because of the Lord. And uh, there's a lowliness. And then also, not only is it connected to lowliness, but it's connected to gentleness. I'm not a bull in the china closet. It's not my way or the highway. It's not always telling people, suck it up, buttercup, when maybe they need love first. They need emotional support first. And then we can get to them to try to instruct them, you know, you need to look to the Lord. You need to wrap up the loins of your mind. You need to think properly. But gentleness, Paul said, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by meekness and gentleness of Christ. Titus says, to, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And what that is, it's a qualification for being a pastor, gentle. It's linked to those whose hearts are such that they will receive the word of God. And so gentleness, and then it's, a meek person is receptive to God's word. And so I said in the, 
in the pew and uh, the word of God is preached the spirit of God says that's you buddy you need to deal with it and my old man wants to say ah that's just a little thing ah you know I don't I don't I'm gonna have to think about that But a meek person responds uh, to God's word. I hope you begin to see that what would be, if it wouldn't be a meek person, what would be the other end? Talk to me. Huh? Arrogance, yeah. And pride, right? It's all stimulated by pride. There's no meekness in a proud person. And the Bible says, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit, arrogant, before the fall. The Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And so James reminds us to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Psalms 25, 9 says, The meek will be will he guide in judgment, the meek will he teach his way. When you go out of the Bible and go into the Greek culture, when this word meek was used, it described an animal that had been gentled. Uh a new colt, maybe a one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old horse that hasn't been broken to ride and to work. They are worthless. <laughs> they're, just, they're just eating up the hay. They, they, uh, they need to be broken. And uh, sometimes it seems in my life that the greatest road to meekness is having been broken. It was used to describe medicine that would soothe a person. It would not be too strong, but just right. It was a word used for mild. It was a word used with a gentle voice. Emotions out of control would destroy and tear down. And uh, when I'm disturbed or when I'm angry, it's been my unfortunate uh, practice to raise my voice. And uh, that pretty well stops communication. But let me also say this, <laughs> that we need, as men, we need to be, uh, you know, I, I, read, I read this study 
and I hope it's, I, I, I believe it was accurate. <clears throat> but I, I uh, would say to you that man's definition of yelling is totally different from a woman's definition of yelling. And you need to be conscious of that. We as men can have it out, raise our voice, hash it out, and it's over. But just a little bit of a raise of a voice with a woman is, is yelling and screaming. And so, uh, gentleness will take out all way, won't it? We speak with gentleness. We speak with lowliness. It spoke of a gentle breeze and not a hurricane. <laughs> Some of us can be pretty stormy at times. And so the key to all this, the key to this thing called meekness If I'm going to be meek, the key is going to be my heart. We're going to start some lessons on admonishing and counseling. And as we go through that, you're going to understand that all decision-making, all activity goes through the heart. It's not what's been done to me that forces me to act in this way. It's a decision of the heart. And so, if I'm not meek, it's a heart problem. Out of the heart proceeds evil. And so someone may be, you know, we may be talking to someone or someone's talking to me and they say some very, they say some very hard and actually wicked things about us. And then they would say, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. It came right out of your heart. What comes out of our mouth comes from our heart. And we need to remember that it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can control it? And James has a lot to say about that. You know, it's like a, it's like a fire that's got out of control. And so when I'm not meek, it's not because of you. Well, you just don't understand what they said to me. You just don't understand what they did to me. You just don't understand. But the decision to act and react goes through the heart. What? You know, we can ask the question, 
What in the world is wrong with our world? It's the hearts of men. And so meekness has to do with my attitude about myself and the expression of that to others. The meek man is not proud of himself. He does not glory in himself. In fact, I, I would say to you, the, the meek man probably doesn't think much about himself. The meek man would be a man who thinks about others. And we are so... Uh, we are so in love with the guy who looks back at me in the mirror. He doesn't glory in himself. John Bunyan, I think, had a good statement here. He says, a man who is down need fear no fall. Martin Lloyd-Jones Lloyd said, when a man truly sees himself, he knows nobody can say anything about him that is too bad. You need not worry about what men may say or do. You know you deserve it all and more. Once again, therefore, I would define meekness like this. The man who is truly meek is one who is amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. And aren't we all glad that there's some things from our life that nobody knows about? And so the meek person has died to himself. He doesn't worry about himself or about his loss or insult or abuse. The meek person does not defend himself. And what I mean there is uh, we're not talking about physically. We're talking about spiritually and emotionally in our person. When Jesus said, if a man strikes you on the cheek, he, he mentioned the, the uh, right cheek, which would, would uh, be a backhand, which would be a challenge to your pride. But he, people, people, some people think that we shouldn't stand for, to defend ourselves. But the Lord told them, when you go, make sure you take a sword with you. We're not just to go out there and let people bump us off. We, we have the right to defend ourselves from physical harm. But he's talking about here pride against our person. And so he doesn't defend himself, first of all, because that's the Lord's command and example. And second, because he knows he does not deserve defending being poor in spirit and having mourned over his great sinfulness, the gentle person stands humbly before God, knowing he has nothing to commend himself. And so, again, this whole sermon is just progressive. He says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
those that are spiritually bankrupt, that we can never be born again until we see ourselves broken and, and beggars. And remember when we taught about that word poor, it didn't have to do with just regular everyday life and trying to make a living, but it had to do with people who were destitute, who had no ability to meet their needs. That led to mourning. And we talked about that last week. And when we come to a place of mourning, we, we become destitute. We cry out to God, help me, save me. We mourn over our sinful condition. And, and when we come to that place of realizing we're destitute, realizing that godly sorrow works repentance, mourning, grieving over who we are spiritually, then, then the Lord steps in and I'm comforted immediately. The great comfort of salvation. And then that ought to cause me to be meek. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. And it causes great meekness in my heart. Let's look at some Bible examples of men who are meek. I go to Genesis chapter 12. This is a great Saint Abraham. In Genesis 12, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from my father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And when we taught on this Palestinian problem and what the Bible said about Israel, we found that God had promised... The, all the way from, from the Nile River to the Euphrates, Tigris, Euphrates rivers, that that land is going to be Abraham's. God said, this land, I'm going to give it to you. But Lot and, Lot and his, his uh, herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen begin to have a problem in chapter 13 and verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Here's Abraham. It's his land. <laughs> this is his land by the word of God. And he could have said, listen, Lot, uh, you shouldn't have come with me in the first place. <laughs> And here now we're striving. 
get your animals and get your herdmen together and get out of here. This is my land. But he didn't do that. And Lot should have should have submitted to his uncle Abraham. But Abraham says, you, you, you choose and I'll take what's left. Meekness. But look what it says in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 13. And the Lord said unto Abram, after the lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look up from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. What direction was uh, not covered? Maybe upward. <laughs> North, south, east, and west. Look at, look at all over. Verse 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We don't always have to have what we want. And sometimes the way to get what we want, <laughs> and what, first of all, what we should want most of all is God's will. But God's taking notice. Look over in 1 Samuel. You know, sometimes, I mean, how does this work out? Maybe you're in a job someplace and uh, people are getting promoted that are uh, far less qualified than you are. That you're being overlooked. You're being neglected. That you are... Uh, being treated wrongly and then see God work and see how he gives you even more than what you desired in the first place. And let's also remember that the last chapter hasn't been written and this is not our home. 1 Samuel 24. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from falling the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Now, now David at this time has had Samuel anoint him as king of Israel. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats where they bedded the sheep, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet 
That means he's going to sleep. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, I can just see him poking David in the ribs and speaking to him. Behold the day which the Lord has said to thee, Behold, I will deliver thy enemy into thy hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seemed good unto thee. They're saying, there he is, go kill him. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily, privately. So David sneaked down there right close to him, cut off his garment, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him. I mean, to, to us, it seemed like, man, that's a pretty good trick. I mean, we can just see each other. I mean, men are men. Come on, come on, let's go do it. Come on. But this was the king. And David's heart was tender. And David was a meek man. And he said to his men, verse 6, that the, the Lord forbid that I should do this same as my master and the Lord's anointed. He stretched forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered him not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went his way. Now look over in Psalms 37. David writes much later in life. In Psalms 37, in verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good, show that thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And so we find some things here that we need to put in practice when we're disturbed. Verse 1, fret not of evildoers. Don't get stirred up. Verse 2, uh, verse 1, 2, 1 also. Uh, be thou, uh, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Verse 7, rest in the Lord. Verse 7, wait patiently. Verse 8, cease from anger. Well, all those are attributes of meekness. And three times in this Psalm 37, he says we're going to inherit the land. Okay, now, what does it mean to inherit the land? Inherit means an allotment, special things have been allotted to us. Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you so. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you. I think humility is aided by uh, knowing we have a place. And so when it says you shall inherit the land, well, right away, when I am saved, I become a child of God. And uh, Jesus had something to say about that. He said that we're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. How much, Lord? How much am I going to inherit? Am I going to have five acres? Ten acres? A thousand acres? Well, no, you're not going to have that. You're going to have everything that Christ has. You understand that? We're joint heirs with Christ. We share everything with Christ. Everything. And so that inheritance in one way is now on Psalm 37 also, it says, A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. And so it's talking about when I'm saved, you know, I become, I become, uh, I'm on the deed. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the inheritance. But also there's a future sense, and that is... Uh, Look in Romans eight seventeen. You guys are sure quiet in here today. I think you're frozen or something. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ, if it so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. Is it uh, I'm already uh, five minutes over? Three minutes over. They're not even banging at the door. Okay. Uh, and so, we're going to inherit eternity. The meek need to be saved. God will work in the hearts of the meek because they receive the engrafted word with meekness. God gives more grace to the humble. Where he said, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Without meekness, we cannot be a witness. We need to be. Peter says, let us sanctify the Lord in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man without asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Probably the greatest attribute that's necessary in witnessing is not so much to know where every verse is and how to, you know, how to make sure you cover every verse, but the greatest attribute that opens the door for witnessing if a person sees you're meek. 
a rarity. All right, I'm going to quit. You're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>